Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What if you could pick the brains of 12 College Football Hall of Fame coaches and some of their players? Well, my next guest did just that, and he's here to talk about it right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody, and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Smith. Give me a follow on Twitter at the Sports Jesus. That's at the Sports Jesus. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. We learn a lot of lessons through life, but how about lessons from legends? That's right, the greatest collection of college football knowledge ever assembled with over 260 years, 2,100 wins, 95 conference titles, and 13 national championships of combined coaching experience all in one place with my special guest on the show, Scott Bedgood, writer for many major publications and author of Lessons from Legends, 12 Hall of Fame Coaches on Leadership, Life, and Leaving a Legacy. Find him on Twitter at Scott Bedgood, all one word. Thanks for joining me, Scott. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk. It's it's really real college football season, so I'm pumped. I can feel it. We're all pumped, definitely, for it. And not only are you an amazing writer, just like I mentioned, the book. What was the inspiration for writing the book? Yeah, so I was uh, working with the National Football Foundation and the College Football Hall of Fame. And, Great organization, uh, yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. And so they have, you know, incredible connections to all the coaches and players and um you know basically it was just like we've got to sort of take advantage of this this knowledge that uh all these coaches have and sort of write down as much as we as i can um to preserve and that's what you know the, the whole leaving a legacy idea in the title was you know all of these guys if you've ever talked to a former college football coach they love talking about college football they oh absolutely especially the you ones know? that aren't so, in college football at the current time they they love yeah exactly they love reminiscing they love telling stories and so um that was the idea there and uh just just you know so your listeners know uh the book has steve spurrier barry switzer tom osborne barry alvarez the late great terry donahue rc slocum phil fulmer Vince Dooley, mike Bellotti, fisher to barry uh marino Kasem, and frank girardi so um that's a lineup while, right there yeah, and you know, I wanted to compile knowledge from not only the huge names like Steve Spurrier and Barry Switzer and Tom Osborne, um, but also some guys that were in different types of circumstances. So Fisher to Barry, for those who don't know, coached the Air Force back when Air Force was a power. 
Yes. Um, and one of the things they did to make them a power was they started running the option instead of trying to be like everyone else and and uh, you know competing for the regular sort of the athletes that that everyone else was getting. They were like, why don't we just run this type of offense that people have trouble keeping up exactly. with? Exactly. Um, and now we look at we look at uh, um, service academy football, and they all do some version of this, and we just expect it. But Fisher DeBerry, that was one of his sort of innovations, which was actually kind of looking a little bit back backwards, but it was smart because he, he knew the types of athletes that he had. Um, Marino Kasem was, uh, is an, a legendary uh, HBCU coach. Um, he also has uh, passed away uh, the last couple of years. Um, and uh, he had some incredible knowledge because he was, he was not only the head football coach, he was the athletic director, oh, um, which doesn't happen anymore. Wearing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, but he was winning national championships uh, and also like sort of uh, hiring the, the women's volleyball coach. Uh, those kind of things all at the same time. <laughs> uh, Hold on for a second. Trying. I got to leave practice. We got to get the new uh, tennis coach out here. Absolutely. So that's what I asked him about. And then um, Frank Girardi was a coach at a really small school called uh, Lycoming. Um, which I believe is in Pennsylvania. Yes, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so he uh, he had you know diff- totally different sort of advice than Barry Switzer, uh, but also very similar advice. You know, and, and uh, Coach Switzer actually gave a really great um, uh, description of the book in that he said there is no blueprint to be a great coach, mm. and that's what you see when you read all of these different coaches. There's no just single blueprint to follow. Everyone has their different personalities. Everyone has their different experiences and skills, but then there are a lot of similarities that coaches have that, you know, make for a great successful coach. So, um, yeah, it was really, really fun to do. And I got to talk to like so many of these legends and, you know, so many of them are, you know, getting older. And so it's like an honor and a privilege that someone like Terry Donahue uh, is able to be in this book. And he he passed away this summer uh, from cancer and, uh, you know, it's when I look back, I'm like, that was so cool and such a privilege to be able to interview him and get his thoughts and write them down and have this document of, of his thoughts now that he's he's passed yeah, off. Yeah, that is that's, that's wonderful. It really is the dream team of college football legendary coaches. And we have on the show Scott Bedgood, writer for many major publications and author of Lessons from Legends, 12 Hall of Fame coaches on leadership, life and leading a legacy. And the book features the Q&As with the 12 Hall of Fame coaches. How did you choose the topics? Yeah, so just kind of looking at their different careers and seeing like, okay, what was the unique thing? What's something that if you looked at Barry Alvarez, you would see that he did well. And you could talk about, you know, certain coaches, uh, defense or offense or whatever. But really, when you look at Barry Alvarez, if, if anyone, some, some people, I, I honestly too young to even know this. I had to research it. Wisconsin was awful before he got there oh yeah (laughs) they were one of the worst teams in college football history they were just horrendous you had to remind them you know but alvarez came in and changed the entire culture and so that's i said all right well well tell me how you do that how do you walk into a program that has absolutely no essentially no history of winning or at least recent history and change that and that's what you know so many coaches are hired to do is change the culture sure and how do you do that so that was his topic um and then you get a guy like tom osborne he comes into a legendary nebraska program that was doing pretty well before and he wins for what like four straight decades three straight decades (laughs) well how do you keep that up how do you instead of building a winning culture 
keep that winning culture? How do you keep it going for years and decades and through recruiting and changes in college football and personality and that types of athletes, all that thing, all of that, how do you keep that going? Um, so yeah, I was just looking at all of their different, um, their different careers. I mean, you know, the uh, Steve Spurrier actually had trouble because I, he was one of the last people I interviewed and I'd kind of talked about certain topics with, with each, each one. And I was like, man, how do I talk to, what do I do for the old ball coach? <laughs> Spurrier. Yeah. You know? And then I was like, oh yeah. How about standing out? How about being the, the brand? How about, you know, coming up with, you know, being this, this very unique coach that yeah. people really want to play for. And Heisman so winner. his was right. His was about it standing out personality. And, and it was cool because I, I, I didn't know if he would sort of be receptive to those kind of questions. And he made it very clear that he stood out on purpose. He mm. wore the visor because nobody wore the visor. Ah. He wore, he wore the golf shirt because sec coaches back in the day wore a suit. He, he, he even said he, he used the word ball instead of football because nobody else did that. Um, and, you know, those things make a difference because then people knew Florida, which, again, wasn't really that good before he was there as the coach. People knew Florida as Coach Spurrier's school. And it's fun and it's different. And they play a different kind of off, you know, style of offense and they score a ton of points. But all of that was part of being the coach. And so, um, yeah, each topic is very unique to, to the coach and, and was uh, worked out really well to, to kind of give that different branding to each chapter. Yeah. And doing all that research. And we have on the show, Scott Bedgood, author of lessons from legends, 12 hall of fame coaches on leadership, life and leading a legacy who, in your opinion, had the most interesting career as a whole. Oh, wow. That's, that's an interesting question. So, you know, you got guys like Tom Osborne, like I said, he won for decades and decades and decades. And like, that's so difficult to, yeah, to do. keep up that. Um, yeah. And then you have Spurrier who, who kind of won in spurts, like he was at Florida and won in the nineties, but, but that really wasn't that long of a time period before he went to the NFL, didn't have a lot of success there. And then he comes to South Carolina and he's very successful for South Carolina, but doesn't sort of replicate the success of Florida, all of that. So his is very interesting. Um, but I mean, it's really difficult to, to come up with anyone more interesting than Barry Switzer. Um, just because, I I mean, if you've ever, if you want to read a great college football book, Bootlegger's Boy, which was his book that he, he released after he sort of got fired at OU. Um, and it's very candid on his life as literally the son of a bootlegger growing up in a shotgun house, um, some some serious tragedy in his, in his young life with his, uh, mother and, um, and then just being Barry Switzer, being this big, larger than life personality and. He's very honest about times where he paid some players. And, um, <laughs> that you know, didn't happen. He, he, <laughs> the right, NCAA he, told he, us that never happens. <laughs> right. And the way he did it, you know, he said like, hey, Billy Sims, this Heisman Trophy winning running back. Comes to him and was like, he's like, coach, I, I got to go to the NFL early, which was not common then. He said, I don't have the money to take care of my young family. And <laughs> Switzer in the book is very honest. He goes, how much do you need? <laughs> And it was not a significant amount. It was, you know, I think uh, a couple thousand dollars or something. And Switzer was like, okay. And, you know, he said it wasn't to uh, buy a sports car. It was so he could keep take his care running of his back family. from going to the NFL to take care of his family. So, you know, is is it true that that's all the, the, the uh, benefits that some of those players were getting was those kind of things? I don't know. But Switzer is just a fascinating guy. And 
I mean, even in our interview, he's really funny. Like in the middle of the interview, he's like, there's somebody at my door. I, I, I got to call you back and just hangs up. <laughs> I hope and he calls back. Me. I got to finish this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so then he calls back and I was like, okay, do you take care of the person at the door? He goes, nah, they're in my house now. I, I'll just do the interview while they're standing here. So I don't know who the person was, but they stood there the rest of the interview. Really? Um, so yeah, I mean, he's so, he's just like the most ADD person you'll ever meet. Um, but in such a great way. And if you ever are in Norman on a game day, his house is right off campus. And is I mean, it really? No, I've been to Norman yeah. a couple times. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's just south of campus. And it's a revolving door of former players and coaches, uh, just other people who, who know him. So I've stopped by on game days to kind of get some books signed. And um, I mean, it's just people coming in all the time. He loves it. I mean, he's welcoming everybody in and it's got to be exhausting. And then he, uh, I don't know if he still do. I'm sure he is, but he he will uh, host everybody on his his cabana in the backyard, and uh, he didn't go to the games anymore. He watches the games on TV, and then he broadcasts. He and a couple other guys their opinions on the games live on this thing called Coach's Cabana. Wow! Um, and so you could just watch the Coach's Cabana uh, thing, and he's just commenting on the games. And sometimes my friends and I during those early season games against FCS teams. We just pull up the coach's cabana just to hear him riffing for you know, <laughs> a couple awesome. hours instead of, instead of watching the backups play in the second half. So, um, yeah, just a fascinating guy. And then, of course, we didn't even really get into him going to the Dallas Cowboys, winning a Super Bowl, and then that kind of falling apart and all yeah. that. I mean, there, there's just there's endless, endless layers to, to his life and, uh, you know. And bringing a gun in the airport in the 90s like there's just oh everybody's gonna have to get the book uh, it's, it sounds like a winner definitely for sure and especially how nice the oklahoma stadium is i had a chance to go there um i think i want to check out coach's cabana now <laughs> for sure yeah you know I, I can't make any promises i'm not sure if they're still doing it maybe they didn't do it last year with COVID or something but i think they they would still be doing it but yeah it's, it's hilarious no, it sounds um, like a just, it's him messing around during games. It's uh, it's good stuff. Oh, love it, love it. And we have on the show Scott Bedgood, writer for many major publications and author of Lessons from Legends, 12 Hall of Fame Coaches on Leadership, Life, and Leading a Legacy. And if you could pick one lesson you learned when writing this book, what was it and which coach did it come from? Oh, man. So Mike Bellotti was the uh, coach at Oregon um, before Chip Kelly. Yeah kind of the guy that made Oregon into this exciting place to go play football with, you know, dynamic offenses and things like that. Chip Kelly took it to, a, a, you know, another level. But uh, Bilotti was really interesting. He said, said something to me um, that has actually stuck with me for, for a long time. Um, basically, he said, like, you don't know if you're good at a job, if you like a job, if you're going to be successful or, or any, and he was talking about any kind of job, not a call, not a football coaching job or an athletic director job, or a, he was a broadcaster as well. So he's not even talking about that. He was just saying any job for about a year. He said, if after a year you've had all the ups and downs or most of the ups and downs you can have, you've had the, the successes and the failures, you've learned the skills, you've done all that. And then you can make a real decision about like, is this the job for me? Yeah. Is this what um, I want to do? Yeah, and, and working in media is a very up and down job. And, you know, <laughs> we you, all know that. You're you're laid off every, you know, six months or whatever it is, and you, you take a job and you're like, I don't know if this is the thing for me. And um, But it's a job I, I, and I should I stay right, at it? Exactly. And so so 
I've kept that in mind through through the years of like, okay, you know what? I'm not even going to start thinking about if this is for me until a year in. A year mm-hmm. in, then I can look back because every job you start, you start in the honeymoon period. Then you get the uh, you know whatever that in between is where you're like, this is I'm the worst at this. I'm never going <laughs> to learn, you know. Yeah. And then you come out of that, and so um, that's like such a very specific piece of advice, and it's not really this like large, broad thing. There's tons of that kind of stuff in there, but that's one I think about all the time. That's fantastic. I like that. And some of the <laughs> Hall of Fame coaches also are legendary characters. Who was the most entertaining during the interviews? You mentioned Barry. You sound like definitely an entertaining character. Who else besides Barry? Coach yeah, Switzer. Barry was great. Yeah, Coach Switzer was great. Uh, Spurrier, obviously. Yeah. The, the funny thing about Spurrier was I didn't know if that interview was going to happen. Oh, really? I had, I had not really gotten much feedback from them. And, you know, he after he retired, he went back and was like, he's, he's like an advisor for Florida. So you can sort of contact him through Florida. But yeah, he doesn't the really, you know, yeah. it doesn't really work, you know. So they just emailed me one day and said, hey, he said he'll do it. Can you just give us your cell phone number? He'll call you like when he's available. Like, okay. <laughs> okay, so I got to carry around my pocket of questions. And exactly, <laughs> when he calls, I'm ready. Exactly. So I gave him the cell phone number and he called immediately. Wow. Like within a few minutes. And I was not ready. I was oh. at my, actually at my in-laws house. They don't have very good internet. They live oh, the no. You're in like the worst so possible like, scenario. <laughs> Right. And so he called, I just answered the phone. He goes, Hey, this is Steve Spurrier down here in Florida, uh, or, you know, the university of Florida. I was like, oh, I know which Steve Spurrier this is, but, um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was like on the golf course and just pulled over and had, you know, a 15, 20 minute conversation with me. And so I wasn't super prepared for that one, but it was great because he's just a great conversationalist and he was down to talk about any of it. And, um, you know, that one was really, really fun and, and relaxed, but I was, I probably, because I had, I knew Coach Switzer a little bit before, I wasn't nervous about the Switzer one, but I was kind of nervous about the Spurrier one because I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> you know? I, I know he seems like a nice guy, but something like that, and they're not. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, he, he was as advertised. He was exactly what you'd expect. So he was great. And then, you know, Tom Osborne and R.C. Slocum weren't necessarily characters. They were just, you know, they're some of the most respected people ever to coach college football, just great gentlemen, you know, just amazing, uh, uh, characters and give so much good advice. Um, and so they were, they were really cool to talk to and had just a lot of really, really good, uh, nuggets of wisdom. And coach Slocum was actually the first person to agree to do the book. So forever indebted to coach Slocum for saying, all right, let's do this. And then I could reach out to the rest of the coaches and be like, Hey, coach, hey, Slocum, yeah, coach Slocum already did and, this. So uh, yeah, if you want to jump on board, has, yeah, for sure. The respect he has, you know, they would go, well, okay. Sounds legitimate. And I'll be in. Yeah. So that was really cool. What common thread did all these legendary coaches have? Yeah, I think that, that, uh, and so I I didn't even mention this yet, but, but uh, Bob Stoops wrote the foreword. Yeah. Um, How special was that? Yeah. I mean, I went to OU uh, and I went there obviously while he was, was the coach. And so um, it was super special. It was really cool. Um, And uh yeah, it was it was uh, very unexpected, uh, but it was right the the year that he had retired, so he oh, had okay. a little more time on his hands, and uh, so I was like, let me just let me just see if he'll do it, and he did. Um, but the common thread, and he mentions this in the foreword, is that they all loved coaching. They all look back at their wins. They're I mean, they're happy to have the wins. They're way happier to have the relationship with the players and to um, see these guys that they recruited as sixteen year olds now be 40 year old dads and Mm. professional 
um, not players, professional uh, lawyers or um, salespeople or uh, coaches in their own right. Just basically they say, yeah, I don't really think about the wins as much as I think about when, you know, Phil Fulmer and Peyton Manning are still really close. And Peyton Manning actually wrote a little um, blurb about Coach Fulmer for the book. And Peyton Manning said, you know, most importantly, I'm thankful for his friendship that we play golf together, that we go on wow. trips together. And those are the things that all these coaches look back on as way more important than, you know, did they pull out an overtime win, you know, 20 years ago. It's Although I guess it probably wasn't overtime back in the day. But <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and we have on the show Scott Bedgood, author of Lessons from Legends, 12 Hall of Fame Coaches on Leadership, Life, and Leading a Legacy. And uh, out of the 12 legends that you did interview, who would you pick to coach Oklahoma if you had the opportunity? Oh man, I would love to go back and just watch watch the Switzer teams. Uh, you know, watch the watch them. Uh, as he said, hang half a hundred on them. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, if I if I wasn't picking uh, uh, Coach Switzer, for sure, obviously Spurrier had the you know the exciting uh, you know offense. But as someone who has lived most of his life when people aren't running the the dominating you know triple option offenses, I would love to see you know. Coach Osborne's Nebraska teams have just crushed people um, with with their option offense, or even you know Coach DeBerry, uh, the way he did it with at the service at, at Air Force. So um, yeah, I'd love to go back and watch some of those those triple option teams, or uh, and just this, this is a totally different style of football. Um, I think Spurrier Florida teams is is very similar to what we see now, so maybe that wouldn't be as as unique and exciting. Yeah, like you said, you also had uh, quotes from legendary QBs. You mentioned Peyton Manning. You also have Troy Aikman and Heisman Trophy winner Danny Werfel. What was their take on their respective coaches? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. People obviously associate Troy with the Cowboys. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, he won the Super Bowls with the Cowboys. They associate Troy and Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Johnson. And then maybe he didn't have a great relationship with Barry Switzer when Barry Switzer was the Cowboys coach. Um, and, and so it, it, it's... Some people may forget that his real like mentor and the person that he really loved and looked up to was Coach Donahue at UCLA. Okay. Um, and Coach Donahue, like I said, passed away this summer, I believe. And um, Troy had you know a lot of really amazing things to say about him, and I know that was really heartbreaking for uh, uh, Troy. And so it was like very no hesitation at all for for Troy to say like absolutely I'll write something about Coach Donahue. Wow. Um, and, and if you know a little bit about Troy's story, he was actually, he's from Oklahoma. He went to OU um, and, of course, was you know going to be a star and I believe got hurt. And then OU won the uh, national championship with another quarterback because um, they, ran, they ran mostly an option offense. They weren't passing very much. And Troy was this new type of quarterback that really could throw. Sure. And so Coach Switzer did help him transfer to UCLA back when transferring was not like super common. So UCLA and Coach Donahue made him into the quarterback that became this three-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, passing it a lot and, um, you know, into this superstar. And so there's there's a ton of, of respect from Troy. And, and, like, without any hesitation, he he wanted to write about um, his coach. And then, um, yeah, Danny Werfel's a really cool guy. He, he's around at a lot of uh, NFS and College Football Hall of Fame events. Um, obviously, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, yeah, it seemed so, like yeah, a laid-back kind of guy. Yeah, he and yeah, he and he and Coach Coach Spurrier, you know, are super. Uh, they love talking about each other, and, and yeah, he 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 uh, jumped at the opportunity to to provide a, a quote for us for the book because he and 
Spurrier were were a match made in heaven in the 90s for sure. Did um, any of these players, did they talk about the lessons they learned and may still practice today? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, in, in the in the quotes, you know, uh, like Brett Bielema, who's now the Illinois coach, uh, when he yeah. uh, wrote the blurb, it was like, I almost didn't put that he was the Arkansas head coach in the book because when he wrote the blurb, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's going to get fired this season. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold off on that one. Yeah, so I put it in there, and he did get fired, but he's now the Illinois coach. Um, but he said, you know, the, the two lessons that, that Coach Alvarez taught him were, first, don't flinch. Um, you know, in those moments mm. of adversity, people flinch, and they they redefine themselves by trying to overthink the situation. Um, and then he said the second lesson was to enjoy every win. So it's like mm. whether you win over the number one team or an FCS team, it's a big deal. And especially, you know, I think that's part of, the the lesson that Alvarez taught all of Wisconsin was, hey, we're not coming from a winning culture. So when we win, it's a big deal. And like, let's celebrate that. Now, Wisconsin, like they expect to make the Rose Bowl every year. They expect to, you know, challenge for uh, maybe making the playoff or winning the Big Ten. Wisconsin's culture is a winning culture now. And I think sometimes you can you can uh, not really appreciate those all of the wins you know the small wins yeah talking to players Um, they always say that they didn't appreciate it while it was going on but looking back Mm -hmm. and i think bielema now probably has learned that lesson even more having been fired at arkansas having spent several years not as a head coach and now he's at illinois i think he probably really enjoyed that win over nebraska this oh i bet i bet yeah it's a new lease on life getting getting back into the game after you lose something you love, that's for sure. And if there is a volume two to the book, which college coaches would you like to interview? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, When I wrote it, I knew, I was like, Matt Brown is going to be in the Hall of Fame in like Mm, a year. Great coach. And But he wasn't in the Hall of Fame yet, and so I couldn't include him yet. Um, And then even Coach Stoops wrote the foreword, but he wasn't in the Hall of Fame yet. Um, So obviously, Matt Brown and Coach Stoops, for sure, no doubt they would be in. Um, one, I, I, it was unfortunate that I didn't get him in. Um, he also just passed away. was Bobby Bowden at Florida state. Yeah. Legend. He just wasn't available to, to do it. Um, I, I don't think he was in great health at the time. And I think he actually maybe recovered from whatever he was going through. And then obviously now has passed away. So I wish we could have included him in, in one of them, but, um, you know, I would love to talk to some of these current coaches, um, maybe hold off on the, uh, volume two for a while until, Saban retires. And, ah, you know, oh, Dab- wow. It's going to be a while for Dabo, I'm sure. But I yes. mean, I, I would just, I would love to get Saban unfiltered, like not, uh, you know, he's, he's still protective, it seems like these days. Sure. Um, but, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the coaches in the book were more protective back in the day. And now they can, they can let their guard down. Freely. Yeah, speak honest. freely. So, yeah, I mean, the, con- the, the current coaches, I would love to talk to Saban. I would love to talk to, to Dabo and, um, you know, you know, uh, maybe Urban Meyer. I'm not a huge Urban Meyer guy, so I don't know <laughs> if I'd like to talk to her. How long is he with the Jags? Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's such an interesting thing. I don't think Spurrier fizzled good. out. A lot of those uh, Saban fizzled out in the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's it's so challenging because he obviously he went to a team that was terrible, and they have they have Lawrence now. But how long do you get? to sort of not be good there yeah, the hook, the I, I, hook I mean, nowadays is like a year or two i feel like yeah and then also i mean one thing i think maybe people don't realize is, is urban meyer has one of the highest 
uh, winning percentages in history. I think it might be the highest or one of the highest in college football history because he started at uh, Utah and they lost like very few games. He was even good at Bowling Green. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's where he started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was good everywhere he started. Whereas if you look at Saban, Saban was at Michigan State. They had a couple like pretty tough years early. Mm -hmm. So his win percentage, even though he's obviously the greatest coach of all time, is a little bit lower than than some of these guys. All that to say, Urban Meyer's never lost like seven to eight to 12 games in a season by any means. And he might have to deal with losing 12 games in a season for the first time in his life. Oh, my God. Yeah. I wonder what kind of stomach he's going to have for that. Quite an adjustment. That's for sure. Well, Lessons from Legends may be the greatest collection of college football knowledge ever assembled with over 260 years, over 2,100 wins, 95 conference titles, 13 national championships of combined coaching experience. Any football fan, coach, or player can learn from the wealth and wisdom contained in the pages. It's available on Amazon and your favorite online bookstore. All right, it's time to go. Y'all ready for this? Three and out. It's time to go three and out with national writer and author Scott Bedgood. Three letter questions to close out the interview. First, who was the best coach all time at your alma mater of Oklahoma? Oh, man, because you have Bud, Barry, and Bob. Yeah. You got to go Barry. It's nice to have that many life. legends in one spot. It's it's pretty, you know, not many coaches can, can do that so quickly. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, you have to go Barry, but Bud, Bud obviously – you know, set the table for, for a lot of those guys and is a legend. And I think of the longest winning streak in uh, college football history. So hard to go against, Bud. you got to go with Barry because of the national titles. Bob got close, but only got, got the one. He got close on a few other ones. Uh, my hope is that we'll say Lincoln Riley in about 10 years. There you go. Well, he's got a couple of Heisman <laughs> winners under his belt already. So he's off to a great start. And you mentioned you worked at the National Football Foundation. What's your best memory from your time there? Um, yeah, we got to go to uh, New York um, to, oh. I believe it was the last uh, College Football Hall of Fame induction that was done at the Waldorf Astoria. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Yeah, so that was right before they, they've been redoing the Waldorf for several years. I'm not sure if it's open again, and I'm not sure if they'll move it back there once it's open again. But um, yeah, to sort of see that that old, old school hotel with all of the legends and famous people that have all been there and uh just be at the induction ceremony of some of these, uh, like, uh, I don't know, probably 12 or I don't know how many Hall of Famers were at, inducted that day. But, um, yeah, that was just a cool event. I, got, I had to rent a tux. Oh, you know, a little James Bond action. A few times in my life. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I was like, oh, this is like a real New York experience. Uh, walking down, you know, we, we were staying at the New York Hilton, which is pretty close. So we're, you know, crossing the street, walking, I don't, I don't remember how far, but walking a few blocks in a tux. I was like, this is New York. Which it probably isn't, but I felt like it was. Yeah. This is New York of the 1920s or something like that. So that was a really cool experience. Very, very unique. And uh, got to be in like the green room with all of the legends. I, I remember uh, Peyton Manning and, and Phil Fulmer having very uh, intense secret conversations about stuff going on at Tennessee. I was trying to eavesdrop. Over, um, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah. Mike like, Tirico's who are you, sir? And why are you so close to us? Right, exactly. I mean, and it was, you know, I had Mike Tirico, you had like, you know, Ronnie Lott, like all these guys are just around. And so it was really cool. Yeah, that's that's can be overwhelming to especially to a college football fan for sure. And finally, I'm a foodie. What is the best meal or place to eat at your alma mater, Oklahoma? What's a great place in Norman? 
Oh, man, I'm going to offend some people by saying there's there's some places that are legendary there that aren't really that good. I won't say them by name. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've been there a couple but, of times uh, and I can't can't recall the one spot that anybody directed me to that was outstanding. That's funny. Well, but the, OK, so here's a legendary place. It's on Campus Corner um, right across from campus, not too far from the football stadium called O'Connell's. Irish pub. Okay. The ranch hamburger is great. If you like ranch, they make their own ranch. Mm. I like to get the ranch hamburger with the side of ranch for the fries. It's a Ooh, little over the top. Double Not ranch. something I normally do, but uh, when you're at O'Connell's, that's what you got to do. So that that was my one of my favorite places in college for sure. Oh, O'Connell's in Norman is the place to go. And we've been speaking with Scott Bedgood, writer for many major publications and author of Lessons from Legends, 12 Hall of Fame coaches on leadership, life, and leaving a legacy. Find him on Twitter at Scott Bedgood. That's all one word, at Scott Bedgood. Thanks for joining me, Scott. Yeah, thanks for having me. And of course, Believe in College Football Legends is presented by Bet Online. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.